0: we we talked about a lot of things, man. So I, I kind of okay. want to go in two different directions. One, I want to talk about, I, I know, I know we're talking about, about uh, SD WAN, but I want to talk about VPN for a little bit. Sure. And, and so how do I want to, wh- which direction do I need to take this? So first I want to talk about the nefarious person, the, okay. the evil hacker guy, you know, the, um you, you've watched the movies, uh, they they got the evil hacker guy and then they they show the the picture of the map and then they got the lines going from all these different cities all over the world and that's that's him VPN tunneling in all these different places <laughs> and nobody can figure out where he is right can i can i do that is that how is that how hacking works
1: well to be honest with you uh, yes um you uh, people set up VPNs and they think they're getting you know, similar type of functionalities they see in the movies because, you know, now things show that I'm in Canada and I can watch things that are only available in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, will, while there's some similarities, um, the reason some of these technologies are grossly different is they're proxy services. Uh, people think about, you know, Squid and some of the object-oriented proxies of the past, but these are TCP proxies. So... The reason that's so important to recognize is, while it accomplishes some of the same things, it's encrypted between nodes, you know, OpenVPN client and OpenVPN server, or, you know, Shadowsocks proxy and a Shadowsocks, you know, proxy. Um, it's encrypted in between. The difference is you're splicing the TCP connection instead of encapsulating the TCP connection. The reason that that is so important for someone that's trying to maintain their productivity get faster throughput, utilize this WAN optimization technology, is imagine before you could take your Ferrari out onto the road, you've got to pull it up into the back of a semi and let the semi deliver it and then get out and race. You know, this is like, you know, uh, a warp speed tunnel, if you will, where the Ferrari just stays at full speed ahead. It doesn't have to get into a truck that takes a lot longer to start up and move. It's, it's just moving from moment to moment, kind of like a baton handoff, if you will. Um, so you see one TCP connection all the way through. If you're not using any technology, if you're encapsulating Mm -hmm. that with a VPN, you see the VPN connection in the middle, it's encapsulated. It's, it's in the tunnel and you see the MTU size has to change or else you get these split packets. I don't know if you've, have you ever looked at the effects of MTU uh sizes on your network?
0: Not even a little.
1: So th- this is an awesome test to do, I think for everybody. In every MSP needs to needs to know this uh especially as a lot of ISPs are pushing um you know uh, some services, you know, out that you're not aware of. Just do a ping, you know, from your command prompt. Uh, there's a switch. You know, If you just type in ping, you can see the level of switches, You a know, uh, list of switches that you can implement. Um, specify the MTU as 1500. You go out to Google's DNS servers or something you're familiar with and set the do not fragment flag. It's typically like a, a dash D switch. And you'll see that you get a response back from your own network saying, I can't. At 1500, I've got to break that packet into two. In order for it to get out to where it needs to go, so that means I'm going to have to have two packets to get your one packet where it needs to go. The problem is, you end up with a pretty full packet and a little bitty, not so full packet. If you were Was to be like able to 1492
0: adjust, 1492 is the sweet spot or something.
1: 1472 is typically um, on cable modem DSL and and those. You know, if you set that do not fragment and you're you know, MTU size. I think it was dash L allows you to specify that fourteen seventy three. It'll I can't without fragmenting fourteen seventy two. You'll start pinging all day long, and with without knowing that, you know, a VPN connection is a perfect example. Um, they're already encapsulating it, which means they need a little bit of that space for overhead too in their own messaging. Well, the message, the applications behind it typically MSPs don't adjust; they just throw the VPN in there and it goes. Well, if you know that that VPN is using a part of the link, you can't maximize that throughput. You're, you're taking twice the number of network packets to get the whole thing across. So instead of one dump truck, you're having to send a dump truck that's 90% full and another one that's 5% full twice the time. So a lot of people are chasing latency issues when they implement VPNs that they don't even realize. They're not bandwidth issues at all. They're megabits per second, but the it's the time that's incrementing, not the bandwidth it's lowering wow okay is is, is that Um, does that help because that's that's a easy test to do and see
0: that does that really helps actually i um i now want to play with that on my home internet connection because you know gigabit i'm i'm only getting gigabit i feel like it could be faster
1: (laughs) hey you know my question would be uh you know in, in a gigabit environment um the, the most common things that I've seen need some of this technology in that environment is, you know, not really even the um, SD-WAN. You know, if they have a resilience issue where, you know, there's um, interruptions at some point, uh, you know, we've got a provider here in town, Metronet. And there were times where, when especially when they first got started, they would have some congestion issues. So if you used a tool like route where it's kind of like a trace, your traditional trace route, but it's doing ICMP tests every hop you know, along the way, you know, you can see where at some point in their network, they got congested. So their their one millisecond, two millisecond type of response times went up to, you know, 150, 200, 300. And it's like, that's 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 crazy, in a, a fiber environment. And every everybody deals with this every now and then, you know, you'll see an outage, you know, with somebody, things will get slow, but nobody really knows how slow it is. Uh, you turn something like that up where you can see that. And that's the type of thing that it blips and happens all the time and people just don't know it, but they feel it, but they move on so quickly that, you know, that's not enough to deal with right now, but it, an SD-WAN solution can't overcome that. Um, but, uh, you know, how, how long does it take to to use that connection when you have a packet drop it? TCP slow start, it's, it's going to drop and, and try to pick back up. And if you've got that happening at little frequencies, you know your your transfer pattern is going to look like a sawtooth kind of uh, transfer instead of a nice plateau. Mm-hmm. You know, uninteresting graph. You know, the uninteresting graphs are sometimes the best performing ones because it's it's constant. You're getting that full throughput. Yeah. I did. I is did this- the
0: MTU something that I set at the router at the desktop? Mm-hmm. Both.
1: It typically can be anywhere you you, you have a congestion point, but. Um, if there is a change in topology like um let's just say in a traditional you know hub and spoke VPN environment let's say you weren't using us at all for SD-WAN or you know WAN optimization and you just wanted to improve your customer's experience and you've got IPsec tunnels between everything at that device that's terminating the tunnel that's where you need to do this test and that's where you need to change your MTU now we automate those things for you so that you don't have to think about it. We detect some things to know, hey, we need to change the MTU, because it's actually better to have that MTU set lower, like 1400, where you're maybe not even filling up every packet, than to have twice the number of packets, or three times the number of packets that aren't aren't full or utilized. So, but just in your own, I mean, just a freebie there, you know, for your IPsec type of customers, that's the point you want to change the MTU. So when there's a, a topology change or an encapsulation change, You know, okay. Um, And and, and I really want to emphasize, you know, I I love the fact that we're diving into the problems, but this this is really I I don't want it to scare people because of how deep we're diving into the problems. The great thing about SD-WAN solutions is that it it takes this complexity away. So if you're having these types of problems, you don't know where to start, whether it's MTU automation or it's the tunnel automation. It's time that we're saving the MSPs by automating this, so you don't even have to think about it. You 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 put it in and it's managed. It's simplified.
0: So let's let's do this because I I agree that we're diving in deep and I'm honestly just having a lot of fun right now. Um, I'm asking you ridiculous questions. Uh, you know we're we're just having a good conversation. So let's do this. I'm going to share my screen. And um, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a terminal window. Okay. All right. If, if you suspected that I had some kind of network issues, what can mm-hmm. I do in a Mac OS terminal?
1: Okay. Um, so you've got ping and tracer out available to you. And as simple as those tools mm-hmm. are, uh, those are just the de facto Uh, things to test with that's already available to you. So, you know, peeing out to something you know is on the other side of your last mile, 8.8.8.8, you know, Google DNS servers. So right here, you know, it's a nice consistent floor, you know, um, you know, 30 to 40 milliseconds. Um, You can can kill that. Um, If we were testing QoS or we were testing, you know, how efficient is my, SD-WAN solution for my QoS policy WAN optimization this would be you know something you could look at to see um, go ahead and do a traceroute as well you know just traceroute to 8.8.8.8 so it takes a second for a traceroute to complete but it's doing that same basic test to every hop along the way a tool that a lot of people um, uh, would benefit greatly from is my traceroute it's just mtr and if you're a mac user you can use brew to install it you can download it from um, you know, a couple different places for your, your Windows machine. But it'll essentially combine um, what you're doing with TraceRoute and uh, a ping test over and over again, where you see a nice little table of the latency to each hop in the network. And it'll also show you the difference in latency uh, between packets. So jitter is something you hear about in the VoIP world. Uh-huh. It's better to have a 150 millisecond constant connection than to have 50 milliseconds one second and have 120 milliseconds the next. That jitter, the difference between those two back and forth, um, makes VoIP traffic um, have that slinky effect. And you can hear that. You can detect that. Uh, Jitter is an issue in the VoIP world. An SD-WAN solution can standardize that. We can we can see that difference in your two connections and you either prefer one that isn't as bad or use one um, over the other or use a set of connections over another one and just have one for failover all based on that information that we're constantly looking at on the packets.
0: Hmm. Now, um, gosh, it's been years and I don't even think this company does what it used to at this point. Because there is um how frustrating. How sad. I just don't remember some of these tools. Like I've I've forgotten more tools and and crap that some MSPs have ever even learned because I'm that guy. I gotta play with every flipping thing out in the world, right? Sure. Um so I remember there was this tool for a little while and it doesn't even do the same thing anymore. But um let's see here. I found it. Firebind. Okay. I bet they don't do it anymore.
1: Well, there's there's a couple Firebind. that have been out there, like ping plotter. You know, there, there there's a few that I've seen ISPs you know use, but the problem is they're typically only turning them on in a reactive mode, where customers reported an issue, they turn it on and they try to you know detect what's going on. The great thing about SD WAN product, like like you know, let's just talk specifically about cloud access for a second. This stuff is all happening in the background and it's graphed so you can see over time if you got a call about a problem that happened 30 minutes ago a couple hours ago you you can go back and just look at it so you you get some uh benefit of automating that you don't have to know these tools Uh, some people still use these tools but that data is just captured you know you can be alerted on a link going down so that you know about it before your customer does you know as an MSP, try and offer managed services. You really need to be able to feel confident that you know about something before the customer does.
0: So I remember using this for a little while, Rob. This is mm-hmm. this is um, this is their legacy product. I don't even think they will sell it to you anymore. This right. is Firebind Cloud, mm-hmm. and what it would do is it would um, would sit and run on on one of the workstations or server if you want to get crazy and basically every five minutes it would test and collect all this data like jitter latency ping everything so that way you can look and see if if you've got a crappy internet connection or not um and it was it was really awesome for for helping with testing and whatnot um I, so, what would you what would you use if you wanted this this pretty graph mm-hmm. at a at a customer site, but you're remote?
1: Yeah. So, you know, coming out of the carrier world, I've I've used a lot of SNMP based tools where you got to set a bunch of stuff up to monitor that router. Um, you know, you're collecting it and feeding it into some system, and that's that's kind of the way we used to do things in the past. Those tools are implemented already in things like cloud access. So if you're already seeing you know in order to provide, provide this value of of resilient uptime you know customers swiping a credit card you don't want that to ever be down lose a sale um, mm-hmm. so in the meantime while that is being provided if there ever is a problem that you still need to look at and fix you you know if one network connection goes down you still need to fix it having gotcha. all of that stuff that you used to have to spend a lot of time to set up being embedded in the tool already uh, that's a lot of value, you know, a- automating network monitoring, you know, we're already looking at all the packets. We can see that stuff. Just put it on the graph and you don't have to set it up. It's already there. Uh, this might be one reason to go into a demo at some point on, on that product where you can see that happening uh, because that what you just showed, you know, tracking latency, you know, tracking packet loss, you know, would there have been a disruption if you didn't have an SD WAN solution You know, that helps the MSP show value that, you know, no no one ever thinks about the value when it's quiet. It's always, Uh, you know, when things are broke. So it's helpful to be able to go in and say, hey, because of this solution we put in for you in the last month, you've had three times that would have been completely down, maybe even for the day or just interrupted. You can quantify that and show it very clearly with, with visual tools.
0: Okay. That's so I, cool. so I
1: don't think you need a tool like that as much as you used to.
0: Okay. Now when I pulled up the terminal, my thought was you're gonna tell me some like magical here's how you find your MTU.
1: Sure. Yeah, we can do that right now. Go ahead. All right.
0: Let me let me pull that back up. So so many windows to choose from. All right. So back into terminal. Um I'll so this is the exact video. same terminal. I'll just clear here. Um so if I wanted to find my MTU. Right.
1: Um you said you're on a Mac, right now.
0: This is my Mac. Right. Okay. I know I could do like a what ping, uh how many, how many pings do I need? Like two thousand?
1: Yeah, I mean just do like a you know dash C with a thousand. Um
0: and then I know dash capital D um will tell it not to fragment.
1: Right. And let's see for the size.
0: And then dash S is the size. Right. So we want to do 1472, you said. Uh, well, no, let's do 1500. Let's, yeah, let's do 1500
1: because, you know, that's the thing to recognize. You know, why, why are we even talking about this? The whole point is a lot of people have routers uh, that they commercially bought at Best Buy or Ubiquity, you know, and, and that MTU is often set as 1500, which is the default for Ethernet. But the topology changes to cable modem mm-hmm. so it's not accounted for so at 1500 it's having to split that and you're not able to maximize your throughput whether you use WAN or not
0: I, th- I don't think i need a thousand i think all i need is one so when i look at this at 1500 message right. too long 1490 message too long right 1480
1: and try, try four message too
0: long well, we know 1400 works
1: so for four 1470, you know, uh, 1480. Try both of those.
0: I know 1472 works.
1: 1472 and 1473
0: or, is typically where I find
1: the, the line. 73 is is a no. Right. Yeah. So, so that means that if you have something, if, you're, if you put Wireshark on your laptop right now, or let's say you had a router that you could do a capture there. If you do a capture and you see those packets, you're going to see... You know, they're they're full coming in, and then you've mm-hmm. got more coming out um, because it's got to split them up. It's got to, you know, twice the number of packets. And people don't realize the impact of that, but you're sometimes talking about, you know, twice the latency gain at an application layer to get that back and forth before you can get the next packet.
0: I can also tell you that my Mac hardware, the Wi-Fi adapter itself, the default mm-hmm. is
1: 1500
0: Okay. So... I'm going to manually set that to 1472 and uh, everything's magically and I would, more amazing.
1: I typically try to set it, you know, the closest to the topology changes you can. It's okay, you know, to do it, you know, closer to you. If you know that within a couple of hops, you're going to have a topology change. Um, but this is the great thing about SD-WAN, you know, you, you we, we can manage that in an automated way. Because yeah, as simple as this test is that everybody can do to improve their existing connection right now, you don't need to buy anything from anybody, you can do that test right now, change that on your router, and you will immediately see better throughput. No question. (laughs) In in an enterprise environment, or if they change connections on you, you know, a lot of times the the customer's not buying circuits from you. They're going out and buying something because they got a deal, you know, sales guy approached them, and they call you when there's problems. If it's your box, a CPE, you know, device running, and they plug that up there, guess what? it's automatically detected
0: man so so then what what i think i'm hearing you say is my wi-fi adapter on my mac can be at 1500 yeah if you want it to be because going from my mac to my router would still be a 1500 mtu Ooh. or or it's just so fast between the two that it shouldn't matter
1: yeah, let, let's let's just talk about for a second, let let's forget cloud or internet connections at all. Let's just say you've got a switch at home and you've got two things connected Ethernet to Ethernet. Mm-hmm. From there to there you want all that to be fifteen hundred. So that Why? Because that that is the max Ethernet frames can can handle. Uh unless you're doing jumbo frame, which a lot of people have seen as a checkbox but never had to use it. Um jumbo frames are I think like nine thousand or something inside your network. So if you do big data, you know, you're talking about you know, multimedia producing shops where they're in a 10 gig network. You don't want to be restricted to these characteristics of TCP in that environment. So jumbo frames are one of the things that you could do. And this is, again, whether you use SD-WAN or not, whether you're combining connections, you know, these are problems inside the LAN. Um, Hmm. So you can do that. Um, So that's why I say it's always better to put it as close to the topology change as possible. And the great thing about an SD-WAN product is, you know, you're putting it right there behind the internet connection. So that's pretty much within one hop of where it needs to happen. And it doesn't impact okay. your firewall or LAN or anything inside. Um, and you don't have to worry about it.
0: Okay. Now let's let's take a look at some comments here. Now I'm, I'm going way back, guys. All right. So um, we were talking about VPN for a while, and I started talking about uh, the the evil hacker man, right? So let's, let's think about, it doesn't have to be an evil hacker man. It could just be, um, a law office or a HIPAA compliant type of place that Mm -hmm. wants to be certain of privacy. So we know that they can have privacy that goes from their internet, uh, node from their office, all the way, however many hops it takes to wherever that SDN, SD WAN providers data center is. Is that correct?
1: Sure. It, okay. Your, your data center is, is up to you. Um, what I would recommend is if you've got customers in uh, Eastern United States, you pick a data center that's closer to there. But the great thing about the internet is when you get to the data center level, You're now talking about major connections between all of them where you're sub, you know, uh, 10 millisecond connectivity between all of them anyway. You just don't want to have a case where you put uh, something all the way out in California. That's the exit node for somebody that's trying to, you know, work out of Kentucky, you know.
0: Um, Right. So let me let me rephrase. I guess when I think of this, I'm still on the OmniWet mindset of. I don't know where that data center is. It's wherever OmniNet is. Maybe Texas, right. for all I know. Right. So when when you sell us our custom SD WAN as an MSP, we put it in a data center of our choosing. Mm-hmm. That data center doesn't have to be a physical data center near us. We could use an Amazon or, or a Microsoft Azure, yeah.
1: right? O Ovh is a very popular one just because it's super easy to work with. Um, and okay. Yeah, you, you're or in control of Ocean or one of those. Yeah, DigitalOcean. That's fine.
0: Okay, so it doesn't even need to be a, a big fancy, like Microsoft server on Azure. It can right. just be a, a Linux box uh, on some kind of DigitalOcean droplet, Correct. Or OVH. Um, okay, so we figured that part out. So when when my when my client transmits their data whatever this data is it's going from their office we'll call it to OVH mm-hmm. and then it disperses out to where it needs to go correct similarly if if i purchased nord vpn it's being encrypted through a through a special vpn packet or tunnel or whatever it's going from from my office or home to wherever the the nord vpn tunnel data center is probably some OVH somewhere else Mm -hmm. and then out to the internet somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so both of them work similarly. The difference is SD WAN gives us the ability to really customize the technology that's happening at that, that data center server. Whereas a VPN, it's you're just paying for whatever they give you.
1: Yeah. I mean, your, your packets at some point are going to route through a data center anyway, you know, let's say Lexington, Kentucky. You know, I used to work for the cable company. Um, You're going to go through the same path to get to the internet, whether you're accessing Office 365 with a plain internet connection, or if you're using it across an SD-WAN connection. It just might be a different data center along the way to the data center that Office 365 is
0: at. Right. But the the main difference is, one is... I'm going to call it encrypted, and the other one's not, right? Absolutely. Okay. So the same would apply for if we were using a VPN instead of SD WAN. One is encrypted, and one's not, right?
1: Essentially, yeah.
0: That's that's the theory we're going with when we use these tools.
1: Well, like I said, the you know, effectively a, a VPN and some of these tools look the same in the sense that I see a different IP. You know, or you know, this site. You know, they tell you what IP they see you coming from. You know, that's going to change with an SD WAN product or a VPN. Um, the difference is, um, uh, are you managing this VPN? Do you know where it's coming out of? You know, uh, NordVPN. You know, uh, you can select which data center you want to come out of, but that's about I think the grant. You know, max level right. of control you've got in an enterprise environment, especially you you. Probably wouldn't want to use that. You know, this is more, I think, a residential, you know, user type of um, context. Um, mm-hmm. So,
0: uh, and let's let's make up a VPN. Okay, we'll call it Steve yeah. VPN. The slogan: "You can trust us, I swear." Um, so, so when when you use Steve VPN, uh, that has a nice ring to it. Steve VPN. Just
1: yeah, yeah
0: it, man. rolls off the tongue. Uh, all right. So <laughs> when you use this service, really all you can control is maybe what point you're connecting to, what, where it comes out of whatever. Right. So like you said earlier, you're shifting, you're shifting the, the trust, you're shifting the responsibility, whatever you want to look at. So do you trust uh, spectrum cable right. uh, to read it at your house or do you trust spectrum cable to be reading it at the other end on that uh, data center that they're that they're also using spectrum when but it comes But if your VPN
1: server is in OVH all they see is an encrypted connection across their network. They can't see the data inside. They can't analyze your traffic surfing patterns, you know. And-
0: sure, but then but then it's got to come out of the B- VPN, right?
1: Well, and Yes. So let's say you're hosted at OVH. How many hops are there between OVH and whatever it is you're trying to get to? Um, There's still risk, so to speak, within that Mm -hmm. range. But if you do a trace route, you'll see that instead of your residential or business traditional 15 hops to get there, you're significantly less going data center to data center. Um, And if you want to minimize that even further, this is where an enterprise would get like a private Azure instance to put whatever software they're going to put on it, whether it's a SD WAN or uh WAN optimization. Uh, you know, they want it hosted as close to their application as possible so that they're, Hey, there's a, there's a kitty cat. We've, we've got two. So I don't have them here at the office, but
0: oh, home office.
1: Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to be back in the office, uh, you know, somewhat, but um and, th- and that's a good context too. We're, you know, talking about WAN rant- optimization. You know, most people don't have MPLS to the home. Most people don't right. have fiber to the home. You know, uh, it's, it's great if you have it, but it's amazing how many people I've seen trying to do a family of two, you know, two kids and two adults trying to do Zoom for school, you know, uh, Zoom for work, you know, YouTube during breaks and, Mm -hmm. you know, the home traffic has grown exponentially uh, over a residential cable modem DSL connection. It it makes it hard. So, uh, enterprises that are trying to get better access to their applications, it's a great use case for Replify. If you've got something that is critical, you can't have any downtime, but you can afford, you know, a cable modem and a DSL connection, you can use the Ethica product. Or small office home office stuff so so
0: let's let's talk about some of these comments and then i want to talk to you about just some like kind of basic what are we looking at price wise to do some of these things okay. i'm talking ballparks obviously everything's going to be a little different right mm-hmm. so um Here's one that I, I think this was what I was trying to get out of you. So Yates Networks, you know, first, I'm both privacy and security conscious, and that's going to be my new mission statement. Um, that said, I would far rather express VPN or uh, private internet access to my data than Spectrum. So basically, they're saying they trust the VPN provider to to manage the the connection and uh, look at the data and whatever else they trust them more than they trust spectrum sure is that and I'm not asking are they stupid okay I'm just asking no. with your experience with um, everything that you've done with networks and everything else mm-hmm. is that a good idea
1: i i would i would absolutely say yes uh, if if they okay. have that level of of concern you know one of the things to look at uh, that that really Help see why it's a concern. Uh, even with encrypted traffic, you know, you go to HTTPS, you know, whatever.com. There's a field called the SNI field where you can see, you know, what it is that you're going to. And that's in the middle. You can see it even if it's encrypted. There are other things that you could deduce it from, like maybe who owns the subnet and stuff like that. But uh, that's one of the mechanisms that your ISP using systems like Sandvine can see what you're going to, they can throttle access to it as a wisp, you know, you've got the ability to do things like that um, uh, under the net neutrality laws as it stands more than someone like spectrum can, because they're, you know, terrestrial, but um, you, you are absolutely making the right decision. I want to make sure that your, your audience is differentiating. What I'm saying though, express VPN isn't something that you would see a, uh small to medium business who's swiping credit card views, no. but they need that same thing and they need it managed pretty cost effectively. So that's where you're talking
0: at. He's talking more about like maybe the work from home people.
1: Yeah. The work from home people. I mean, it's, it's not a bad idea. Um, but the question I would ask is, have you ever had um, application performance issues? And if so, Um, let's say you had a a company with with 10 or 15 remote workers that were all now working from home Mm -hmm. and they have to access whatever they're accessing over a VPN, regulated environment, non-express VPN, but something that is in their data center. So your MSP or your IT guy is hosting that in your, your data center and you've got all of these clients working from home, you know, Windows machines that you manage, just to keep it simple. In that context... You can keep the VPN and layer Replify in that solution where you have the Replify node there in the same data center as your VPN and you now also have the Replify client on all of those. Let's say Cisco VPN or something that's more enterprise-focused. you know, focused. Now, when there are drops in the VPN or, or problems, you, you're going to get more throughput, better consistency, um, you know... I, we can we can quantify it with certain applications, but like SMB traffic, if you're trying to browse an SMB share from home over VPN, it's clunky. It takes more time. People can feel the difference working from home than in, in the office, even if they are on a gigabit connection. So if you're working over VPN in that environment and you put Replify in it, you're going to see it incredibly snappy. You're going to see the throughput better. And if you work on files where you're constantly making... Uh, updates to files and your team members are downloading that and you're collaborating back and forth, you may only be changing 10% of the file. So let's talk about the way, you know, deduplication works. When when it's looking at the byte level, it sees a common chunk. It indexes that. And it's in a way that's not uh, identifiable. So you don't have to worry about HIPAA regulations or anything like that. You're only sending, let's say, a 64K hash for every... 4k chunk of data you know a 64 byte hash for every 4k chunk of data think about the the significance there just, just to see this um you know we we do have a, a demo on a, a device that we had done um a couple of years ago proxabyte uh but it was it was hard for people to understand you know uh WAN optimization um uh, so it's, it was hard to if it's hard to get msps to understand it it's hard to you know get businesses to understand it. So you can see it really easy where you have a speed test.net test going. you got 10 megabit per second. You put Replify in it, and it goes up to 100 megabit per second. And people are like, how can you do that? As we see common chunks of data go across the wire and index it that fast, what actually goes across the wire is just an index. You know, think think about, you know, just to, just to give like a really simple ac- analogy here, you know, Let's say that Library of Alexandria on the other side of the earth was still operating. They had these big ancient books and you wanted that big ancient books, uh, that big ancient book. The time it would take to send that over, you know, you know, to get your copy of it, it would take a while. Well, if you knew the Dewey Decibel number and you, you knew it and you also had a, another sister library here in the States or, you know, right next door, you could just go get that book. Because you knew exactly what it was based on that Dewey decimal number. Similar concept. You build up a library of these chunks of data, and you would be surprised how much of the internet is repetitive. You know, how many websites all use Bootstrap to start or use WordPress? 90% of the framework's the same. You know, Google Analytics. You know, there's one piece of it that's different, that big JavaScript payload. You know, there, there's a lot of what we do that's repetitive that we don't even think about. And that's where Replify, like, really helps, you know, you'll see every bit between you and the client and the server and the application. You'll see that in a, a packet capture still go across, but Replify manages, you know, that as one of its features, you know, compressing the data, deduplicating the data and optimizing TCP and, and these other things to make it incredibly fast. So, it, you know, speed test, 10 meg to hundred meg. It just blows your mind how, you know, how it can help when you're working remotely. Um, I think is that a question, pops? So,
0: so here's here's another one, and I, it's it's not really a question as much as it's just a. Uh, Tara said the the idea is our clients still have an obligation to keep medical, financial, personal identity, all of this stuff, all of it needs to stay private. Uh, right. So we have to right. m- implement solutions that protect that data from whoever. And what Tara is hearing is that the solution doesn't have to be slow. Right, and that's. That's what they're here to learn about. Speed is great, but we can't compromise safety. And, it, sure. and, and I agree. It sounds like what, what you're offering us is um, both. Absolutely. If we use SD-WAN over a VPN.
1: Yeah. Again, you're, you're getting more security because you're in control of point A to point B. You don't have to rely on anybody else that you may or may not trust. They, they get a compromised key or you know, whatever. You, know, it's, you, you don't have that issue um and with Re- replify you know keeping a library of the data it's it's stored in a way that can't be reassembled by human beings so you're not talking about you know personally identifying information being even captured or HIPAA uh, compliance being violated it's it's in line mm-hmm. and uh yeah don't and, don't,
0: worry, don't worry about it I, i'll I'll read it out you could just keep talking and and don't lose your train of thought i don't mean to confuse you
1: no, th- this is actually great. Uh, I, th- these are great questions. Um, you know, the uh, one of the prime audiences we, we want to address are the, the MSPs with a data center or even just, you know, OVH, or they understand how to use those tools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're in control of the data center. Sounds cool. I mean, have, being able to use your own resources if you already have a data center, you know, now you've got a way to monetize those better. Um, if you don't, you can start making margin on these tools instead of, you know, let's say you went to your carrier, you know, to say, Hey, I need an SD WAN solution, you know, just to make sure we're in, you know, alignment here. You're talking about 500, $600 a month sometimes for those, you know,
0: just for them to check a box.
1: Yeah, just, just for the, exactly. So, you know, if you're talking about MPLS circuits, you may not even be able to get MPLS circuit to where you're at. So you may have build out costs. You know, so, you know, being able to start with something that has, um, depending on your level of expertise, no essential capital um, to start up and having per site license, you know, let's say, you know, under $100 a month, you know, uh, being able to charge per meg yourself if you want to charge in a metered way, you know, where the MSP is now capturing that. And they're using the same caliber software as the big telecoms. You know, you're more in control. You know, I'll give you another example where this has been valuable. Um, a lot of ISPs want to book revenue, so you know, like like a lot of companies, um, and they have 12 month contracts, especially if you get that new fiber circuit, right? So you get IPs and subnets, you you grant access to certain applications, and it's using the IPs that's in the ISPs control. You're not in control of that. If you're an SD-WAN solution, you can get a new provider set up, ready to go, so that the day the other one expires, you don't have to change anything that day. So when you start talking about MSPs mm-hmm. now juggling and project managing the implementation of an internet circuit and all of the ramifications, whether it's access lists or you know, you know, know, the new VPN endpoint has to change, so they have to change that in their clients, you're not using that anymore. You're using something that's in your control, so you can set it up during the day. You don't have to do it during the maintenance window. You don't have to wake up, you know, heart palpitating to, you know, that alert that you've heard, you know, too many times you need PTSD therapy for, you know, you you can do it during the day. You can change that over, you know, with one flip of a switch or just let it die off whenever they stop billing for it. (laughs) And nothing changes from the customer's perspective.
0: So, Rob, um, we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes, like actually wrap up, not do one of those pretend wrap ups. So I want to try and get through. Um, I'm, I'm going to call it the lightning round. OK, okay. so Yates Networks said um, this is a very unique and sorely needed product for medium and large yes. MSPs. I agree with that. But can't it also be used by small MSPs?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's most of the providers that we've seen that offer this, you know, 15,000, 20,000, if you want to own the software, you know, sometimes 50 to 60, there's, it makes it inaccessible. You know, a small to medium MSP, they've got to have a critical mass just to justify starting. And that's, that's what we want to do. We want to help these MSPs just hit their run running with site based pricing. And, you know, if you need couple hours of our time, you know, we, we account for that more of a consultative kind of arrangement, but that makes it to where it's, um, you, you pay for what you need, not just to turn on the switch. And, uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. This, this is, that's why we love working with, you know, uh, Ethica has been great. You know, that's their whole model is, you know, instead of waiting for these big guys to, you know, get a partner set up and try to offer it in this way. You know they're they're ready to go, and you know Mm -hmm. they're focused you know on some different areas. But with these other three relationships that we've had, it all works well together. And if you don't need SD WAN, you need WAN optimization. It's not a you're not wasting your time. We 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 right fit you with the right one, and you might grow into needing SD WAN. Or if you start the other way, you might grow into WAN optimization. But it uh, it saves you a lot of time figuring out which of the tools are are best for you while still not having to make that capital investment to start, you know?
0: So so I just want to clarify because I just got an email. Uh, okay. Does Rob's company sell direct or do they have a channel program? So okay. you have a a whole channel program. In fact, I don't know that you sell direct.
1: Yeah. So Alan Fortier, who uh, I've actually worked with in the past for an OEM partner of Replify's that didn't make it. They're focused with an oil and gas company and it. It it died when price of a uh, you know barrel went to twenty dollars a barrel. You know their whole business model imploded. Alan's been great to work with. We have very similar background. Read up on Alan Fortier. Uh, he'll be the guy that most people interface when we start talking. You know, um, you know, building a relationship. But um, um, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're focused on. And you know, sales and engineering uh, together. You know, we're focused on on that the same way.
0: And I didn't even realize that it was, that it was out. Al- so I see, I just see in my email thing, Alan question, yeah. does Rob's company sell What I'm like, what a knucklehead? <laughs> all right. All right. So, so let's talk about the, the pricing stuff for a moment um, with uh, you, you made it sound like some of this stuff is just some software you put on a computer. Yeah. All right. So um what is give me the fifteen second version. What can I do with the software that I put on my computer?
1: So is it SD WAN? Cloud Access, the SD WAN component. Uh that cannot run on your computer. You you do need to put okay. that on a box that is in front of your firewall, essentially. Between okay. the modem and the firewall. You know, that way you can plug up multiple connections to it. Replify, it can be deployed. A couple of ways. It can be deployed that same way where it's inline on a box where you have mm-hmm. a, kind of a, you know, IPsec, you know, land to land type of setup. Sure. Or what I think a lot of MSPs would prefer is just push button deploying it. If you got Active Directory or some RMM tool and you've got a PC that you can install software on, you just install the client. It's the same technology that would go in a, in a box just as a Windows client. Roll it out that way.
0: Okay. And Replify yes or no do we need to set up like a whole ovh server and all that to use replify
1: you do it's a bookshelf component as well so you're you're okay. going to optimize a link so there has to be something doing and undoing doing and undoing on both sides and uh, you can use ovh DigitalOcean. it's uh it's it's a pretty lean system so it's not uh, it's not a big investment by any means to spin up a server
0: well, that's fine um is is Replify storing the data or anything that it's deduping?
1: So this is not object-oriented. So there is no concept of a file or something that you could go in and cherry pick out of a library somewhere. There are chunks of data, but just like your packets flowing across your you know connection, it's it's kept in a library in that format, so it can't be reassembled. You can even turn on encryption if you need. Just to know for sure that all these chunks are encrypted. Um there's just no real need to it for most contexts, but uh it's not a long term storage. So it's um, um the more chunks are referenced, the more they float to the top of the, you know, byte cache, if you will. Um and then things churn out if they're you know something you've used once and no one else has referenced it.
0: So is replify like working across the whole internet then for me?
1: Like yeah, if it's it keep be.
0: going to WordPress websites, it's going to keep loading some of the WordPress libraries, that kind of thing?
1: That purely depends. The great thing about it is you, you can put in, I want it to do th- something for a single server with a single IP address, and that's the only thing I want to do. You can say I want to do this entire subnet, or I can do the entire internet as a whole, 0.0.0.0. It's going to intercept everything. And if it can optimize it, it will. If it can deduplicate it, it will. Uh, you can you can apply a lot of policies to different things, but there is a, a nice, you know, default policy we've got that fix most people's needs.
0: Would you say Replify is a nice uh, dip your toe in the water and see if this is for you kind of thing before they dive in with SD-WAN with you guys?
1: You know, I, I think it's definitely the easiest for us to let someone try it as a demo uh, where, you know, you don't, you don't need to worry about authentication or anything. We can spin up something, let you try it. Um, you know, if you want to try it, you know, you can actually download it straight from Replify, but you've got to set up your own server, know how to configure it. We can do all that for you. Um, and, um, like I said, because we're a value added distributor, you know, get you better pricing. So yeah, it's something we can do on a just one-off basis. So if you wanted to try it on your laptop, we can get you the Replify client and you don't have to worry about all this stuff in the background.
0: Um, let's, let's say I'm a weirdo, Rob, and I want to just run Replify on my Mac. Mm-hmm. I don't care about my clients or anything yet. I just, but I, I don't want to try it for like the, the 10, 30, whatever days. I I want to, I want this thing for the long haul. Mm-hmm. What am I looking at price wise to get that through you?
1: Um, I'm going to unfortunately have to defer that to Alan. Um, if you're talking about a single user, we don't really sell it that way. Um, we've we've got a well, single user support. with the
0: intention of eventually having more, but it's like you know what I mean. Like I'm right. going to run it myself for now, and then once I finally get it, then I'm going to start selling it to my clients.
1: Yeah. So there's a there's a price point for the server that we could you know do an extended trial for, I think, and then you know per user. Um, you know, we can license it to you perpetually if you want to just own it, or do a monthly. Uh, the monthly we got to assess based on volume. But you know, you, sure. I'll put it this way: you get com- when you do it that way, you get competitive with ExpressVPN, Nord. You know, on uh, per user pricing. Um, gotcha. You know, so independent so we, of your initial structure, there.
0: So we're not at like pennies or something like that for an endpoint. We're we're probably talking five to ten dollars for an endpoint depending on volume
1: yeah depending on volume absolutely
0: and uh with with this type of product do we have to worry about like bandwidth or any of that stuff
1: um so wherever the replify server component uh sits it needs to be in a data center that has um you know good throughput Um,
0: let me re- let me rephrase i don't have to pay per gig or anything replify it's
1: just software that no, works that's what i want to i want to make that very clear with both products um, cloud access replify there there is no metered uh charge based okay. on usage and that is fundamentally different than most of the solutions you see out there today most people are charging per megabit or you know on some type of tiered pricing and no you absolutely not now if someone has a use case they want to build that model out and host it as a service themselves to do that. We can help an MSP provide that as a service, but no.
0: All right. And then um, SD-WAN type stuff. Let's say I'm going all in, Rob. I've got some clients. We need to get some SD-WAN and it's not because we're trying to build an MPLS. We just want a uh, smarter internet and some additional security, right? Right. So what are we talking? We got to buy some hardware. Mm-hmm. ballpark how much does this hardware cost for a 10 to 25 user environment
1: yeah um in that type of environment you know two three hundred bucks you know we can even tell you the uh Quotam, um type of model to go with it's an easy one we know it's vetted it works well if you want to buy it yourself and put the software on it you're free to do so so we're not actually trying to sell you hardware we can and provision that you know if it's easier to help your model but a lot of people have access to the hardware they want to use. Put their sticker on it, my support number, you know, you're their resource. You're the MSP. And we we want to help you implement that. So you don't have to buy the hardware from us.
0: Okay. Well, no, and that's fine. I'm just trying to get like the big picture of Yeah, right. It, we're gonna spend a couple hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks on some hardware. Yep. And then uh ballpark for um the software or the the SD WAN service. Mm-hmm. Uh, another couple hundred
1: bucks less than that on a per site basis less than that way less than that if you're talking about a business less um, than a
0: hundred bucks
1: this is where we need to connect you with alan fortier he will take care of you man
0: okay okay he's he's squirrelly with the pricing guys
1: well the one thing we're never going to do is 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 try to get budgetary pricing out of you we just we're not a walmart where it's a one-size-fits-all type of product You know, so we we don't want to just put a pricing out there and have an expectation that it comes with the other things if you need those. So it's it's better to have a conversation. Sure.
0: No, and and I get that. I guess I was just trying to get people under 200 good. I mean, it's 500 from the the ISP. I mean, so and then we we still have to get the OVH server, whether it's Replify or Cloud Access. Does cloud access need a beefier OVH server than Replify?
1: I don't think so. Um it it again depends on what you're doing. Uh the reason I say that, we had a customer that had um um they they were doing a game development and I don't remember, I think it was Perforce was the name of the system they were making these commits to, but um because they're doing some really large stuff back and forth, they needed, you know, a little bit beefier equipment. Um but uh but their guys loved it, you know, and, and they, they told me, this this is a good one, they told me that that paid for the solution in, like, two weeks, just based on the fact that their developers were able to make the commits on time and not have to wait hours for uploads and downloads to occur, you know, because they're only making small changes to some of these big, huge files. You know, think, think in that context, like CAD guys, you know, uh, those, those the files can get big, you know, same thing with 3D rendering and, and stuff. so. Uh, it, it does depend on the use case on the hardware, but uh, for your typical user working from home, you know, like I said, a couple hundred bucks for the hardware.
0: Okay, so a couple hundred bucks for the hardware. We're talking under a hundred bucks a month for the OVH for many of our typical clients. Where, especially if I'm talking to ten to twenty five yeah. user type of place, like obviously the larger offices, maybe they need some kind of crazy server, multiple server. I don't know. Obviously we got to talk to you for the larger or the, the more interesting type of setups, but the right. typical 10 to 25 user office is what I'm kind of thinking of in my mind right now. And then final question, uh, Replify and cloud access. Mm-hmm. Does it happen? Is it good?
1: Absolutely, man. It's okay. It, it's, it's yeah, it's good. Not only can you stack and make the connection resilient, but you can optimize that combined link and just absolutely scream. It's, it's, it's awesome.
0: So, so now here's where it gets real interesting. What, what's running Replicate? Is it, is it at the endpoints? Okay. Is it uh, over an OVH? Is it on the same server as cloud access? Is it a different mm-hmm. server? Where, where is it screaming more?
1: <laughs> okay. Do I put it everywhere. No. Okay. Yeah. Put it everywhere, right? Um, so, my my recommendation, you know, as an engineer, I have to say depends. But um, the I, I've had a lot of people try to integrate it so that it's running as a service on the same box with lots of other things on it, and you know, the, the cost of cloud servers today, you know, especially if you're a MSP and you've got customers that are really going to use this, you know, you put put a, a dedicated controller there with ethica, you know, cloud access on it, one with replify and same thing with you know the CPE side, put the cloud access there, you know, on site on a box, but then just put replify on the windows or mac machines that need it. Don't don't you don't have to spend time putting it on the the box. We we really I've seen more successful use cases where people are putting it on their machines, replify, um, especially in the MSP environment. Where you you know what your customers want to have access to, and there's sometimes you've got you've got that one application that's like a healthcare or the the dentist environment. You want that to come over here, but for the rest of the internet traffic, you want to go out somewhere else. And and you can do all that with Replify. So it's it. it's been more successful to just deploy it where it's needed with specificity, and and that's also where Netify helps. You know, we have helped uncover some things on people's networks. We not really get a lot to talk about, you know, Netify, but you That's know, so cool. Yeah. I, what anomalies are am
0: I I want to have you back. I want to talk. I I'm going to have you back three times because I'm going to have you okay. come in and I want you to bring the vendors, bring bring like the, the marketing person. That sure. way they can explain it to me like they're like I'm five two. Okay.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> right. I, I think they will all embrace that because, you know, the, I love working with MSPs, but the thing that I've learned about, you know. It, it's hard to work with MSPs for these guys. That's why they focus on the bigger opportunities and the, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it leaves MSPs behind. It leaves small businesses behind because of that, because most, most SMBs are relying on that tech guy. That they, they know and trust. So they, they would love to, you know, talk directly to you um, and, uh, and your audience.
0: Well, guys, you need to call Alan, uh, go over to dot com. I'm gonna put that up here. There you go. Leadfoottech.com. Uh, it is. It is a T in Leadfoot, not lead food, not lead food. Okay, it's Leadfoot. Um, when when you go there, I believe uh, they've they've right on the home page. It just says cloud uh, channel partner inquiries. You just shoot that an email, and I believe it'll be Alan that responds. Alan will take care of you. Get you. Uh, probably ask you a bazillion questions so that we can understand your use case and then get you pricing and explain what you're getting and how to use it correctly and all that. And um, if, if we're just dummies with Linux, we can even uh, pay a little extra and have you set it up for us. And totally. cool. All right, Rob, this was awesome, man.
1: I'm, I can't I'm wait. Glad, glad to talk with you, man. Very cool. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Yates, Yates said you should rebrand a speed net. Speednet. Hey, you know I'm I'm all about uh, helping. Maybe Yates Network do just that. You know Yates Network. Give us a call and we'll we'll help you get Speedy Net up and going. <laughs> Seriously,
0: you can call it SPDY Net.
1: <laughs> People <laughs> might not like that one, but you know,
0: uh, no, they might not like that one. But uh, all right, well, Rob, thank you everyone that that uh, was here, especially this whole time. We did over two hours today. Uh, But for the podcast, obviously, it's not that long. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to part three. Be sure to check back tomorrow for the next episode.